If you're interested in partnering with Magical Storybook English Nanny Bedtime Stories or wanting to know more about sponsorship opportunities, then visit our website www.magical-storybook.com. You can also download free read-along books to accompany our fairy tales. Our Magical Storybook podcast, Mere and the Curse of Camelot, is now an exciting new novel, available to download on Amazon or buy as a printed book. Follow the link in the podcast details. Welcome to Magical Storybook, a collection of children's stories from around the world. Mia and the Curse of Camelot Chapter 5 Sir Morian In Camelot there are magical things, some with long horns and others with wings. Mia turned around and saw a bright ghostly light moving through the trees. It's a magical white stag, called out Oddjob. He travels through this world and the next. He sees things that we cannot. The stag came into view and then stopped to look at Mia. It glowed white against the backdrop of the dark ancient trees and its huge antlers seemed to sparkle as though they were made of a hundred bright stars. As she stared at them, Mia began to drift into a hypnotic state. She reached out her hand towards the stag, but it stepped back and started to run away. She heard Job's voice whisper in her ears, He wants you to follow him. Without thinking about it, Mia began to chase the stag, running for miles in a dreamlike state. She didn't feel the tiredness that she should have felt as she jumped over fallen trees and skipped through shallow, rocky streams. She was getting used to the fact that nothing was normal in Camelot and she enjoyed watching the majestic ghost charge through the forest, kicking up leaves and twigs as it went, which then magically transformed into animal shapes that darted around her feet. She felt excited rather than nervous for the first time. At last, the stag stopped in a clearing. It gave Mia one last glance and then disappeared into the forest. She felt the hypnotic state wear off and she suddenly felt exhausted and dropped to the floor. When she had caught her breath, she went to take some water out of her bag and realised that the gloomy cloud was missing. A moment later, it came zigzagging through the trees and crash landed on her bag. It lay there panting until Mia poured some water over it. They were in an apple orchard. The sun was illuminating the red and green fruit and as she searched for one that was low enough to pick, she noticed someone sitting under a nearby tree. It was a young man. He was wearing a long brown cloak which had a hood that was crumpled around his shoulders. His knees were bent and his elbows rested on them and his hands propped up his chin. Hovering above him was another solitary dark rain cloud that was soaking him through. 
Mia recognised him immediately. Samorian! She shouted, running over. She made the knight jump. He looked up. The expression on his face was half of surprise and half of relief to see her approaching. Mia thought that for one of King Arthur's knights, he looked a very sorry sight, sitting in a muddy puddle as raindrops dripped from his hair and face. Hello, he said. Do I know you? No, replied Mia, but I have something that belongs to you. She pointed to the rain cloud hovering over her bag. My letter, he exclaimed excitedly, jumping to his feet. Mia threw open her bag and took out the letter. She handed it to the knight. The moment the letter touched Morian's hands, the two gloomy clouds joined together and merged into one. Then, evaporating into a stream of white silky wisps, they drifted up towards the sky and vanished from sight. Mia held up her hand to say goodbye. She felt sad to have lost her friend. Is Merlin with you? asked Morian, breaking her from her thoughts. He looked much more cheerful. He rolled up the letter and put it on the ground. Then he took off his cloak to wring out the water. Merlin has been cursed, said Mia, knowing that the bad news would remove the smile from his face. He can't help you. Morian stopped what he was doing and sat back down, heavy-hearted. I suspected as much, he said, picking the letter back up. I sent this by enchantment some years ago. The rain cloud has been my companion ever since. It should have disappeared once it was delivered to Merlin, but it never left me, meaning that the letter never reached him. Mir explained that the letter had found Merlin, but that the wizard had already been turned into a statue before he could read it. I found them both in a hall under the castle, she added. This statement interested Morian, and he stood up and rubbed his chin. How did you get inside the tiled hall? he questioned. Morgana sealed it with a spell so that no one can get inside. Mir explained that there was an entrance to a tunnel in the castle moat, which took her there. Morian looked puzzled. I know Morgana, he said. She would never open up that portal to anyone. Unless, he hesitated and looked at Mir closely, unless somebody who came across it was unaffected by her magic. Then, for the first time, the knight noticed that she was dressed very strangely. Where are you from? he asked. I've... I've come from a faraway place, she said nervously. Morian looked intrigued. Continue, he said. I've... Come here from the future, she spat out quickly, squeezing her eyes shut and waiting for the reaction. There was silence. She opened one eye and saw Morian frowning at her suspiciously. I know that sounds unbelievable, but I did, she said. Morian eventually spoke. During my travels, I have witnessed many strange things. 
places where the veil between two worlds is thin, and where creatures travel between this world and the next with great ease. Your story is not so unbelievable, my lady. He smiled at her reassuringly, and Mia felt very relieved that he didn't think that she was mad, or a witch. Can't you see? He laughed. You weren't affected by Morgana's spells because you're not from this world. You may be the one who can finally break her curse and set Camelot free. This suggestion filled Mia with excitement and dread at the same time. So, Lady Mia, he continued, picking two apples from a tree and throwing one to her. Are you prepared to come on a quest with me to fight the witch? Part of her wondered whether she regretted picking up Samorian's book inside Stickney Piggott's trunk. A crack of thunder rang out above them and dark clouds started moving in. It looks like rain, said Mia. Morian shook his head and said, That isn't the weather. Morgana's magic is shifting. She's detected your presence. She will be looking for you. Mia felt terrified. She had no wish to meet the most powerful witch that she'd ever read about. Morian saw the doubts on her face and consoled her. Don't underestimate your own power, Mia, he said. You've travelled a thousand years through time and have walked unharmed through one of Morgana's spells. I believe that your part in the story is still yet to be played out. She thought about it for a few moments and accepting that there was no other way home, she reluctantly agreed. They stopped by Morian's house to pick up some food and supplies. He handed Mia a thick cloak and a sword. We will need weapons that are far more stout than these, he said, testing his own sword against the stone fireplace. We will find them in the land of the dragons. You must prepare yourself. It will be a long and dangerous journey.